Welcome to Bald Move Pulp, your official outlet for all of the Loki talk. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Is it official? I think it's official because Bald Move made it official, right? We said this is the place where we're going to talk about Loki. So I think we can use official there. Uh, today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 3, titled 1893. Uh, Aaron, this is the Chicago World's Fair. Or... <laughs> World's Columbus Expedition, if you're nasty. Uh, what? World's Columbus Expedition? What? That was the official name? World's... Oh, World's Columbian Exposition. Okay, because I know that was like an old-timey way to refer to America, Columbia. Columbia? Like, That's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, also known as the World Chicago World's Fair, which uh, they don't make mention of here, but all of the artwork I saw... For the Chicago World's Fair, mentioned World's Columbian Exposition. The World's Fair seems to be like a nickname, but... But Columbus is actively being deprecated. Uh, yeah. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Don't want to lead with that. Don't want to lead with the mass murder enslaver colonizer. Yeah. It was apparently to celebrate the 400th anniversary of that. Of Columbus uh, arriving in the New World. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, What'd you think? Uh, the, the, I so boy, I have a lot of thought, mixed thoughts about this episode. I it's it's a fine episode of Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was some bizarre choices taken with uh, the performance of Kang that I but, but I wasn't sure about. But then again, this is a very rough, very you know early variant of He Who Remains, if he's even that. Um. And I was that that was like I found kind of off putting throughout the episode, just like trying to grok that character. Like, what is he about and the weird speech patterns and mannerisms and whatnot. Um, And then the other thing is like with the cliffhanger midseason cliffhanger of like, you know, oh, Ramon has got a secret. And I I can get a little whiff of like, do they really know where they're going with this show? Now, they might. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that kind of like on uh, ancillary um, to those points too. Like uh, it is weird to me that Loki is just pro unabashedly pro TVA like that, that he hasn't even pondered the idea of like, well, what if the TVA gets destroyed? Why do you think that will destroy all the timelines? All the timelines existed all the time in perpetuity until he who remains constrained him down to the one holy timeline. So like, why are you so I'm kind of on Sylvie's side. Like, well, why are you so sure that this mass murder con man was telling you the legit truth about what would happen to the universe? If his machine stopped working, I get TVA probably fucked, but is that a bad thing? And we're just hurtling down this thing where it's like, I don't feel like Loki examined that at all. And I'm starting to share Sylvie's frustration with like, yeah, I get, I hear what you're saying, but do you hear what I'm saying? And it could be, I've seen some, I've seen some theories that like, maybe this is like an Ouroboros and that like Loki and um, Mobius have always been part of the TVA and they have to be part of the TVA. And that's why this variant of Loki has to justify his existence in terms of the TVA, but I'm not quite there yet. And I, so as like I said, I, I like this episode in isolation, but I'm a little concerned with where they're going uh, this season because mm-hmm. like there was a clear thorough line for season one that they kind of subverted last minute. And now I don't feel like I've gotten my footing of like, what, you know, what, 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 are, what are we trying to do here? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I feel you. Um, I don't have, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get too worried, I guess, and worked up about that. Cause 
I don't know. I don't take the the plot of these things too seriously, I guess. Um, as, as far as like the performances, I actually quite like what Jonathan Majors did with this. Really? Uh, yeah, with this character, Victor Timely character. I. It's different from Kang, but I imagine Kang in his position would change anybody, right? Like anybody who found themselves the time Lord of the universe would probably be affected by that in some ways. And so he's, he's a little more like crazy. And this guy, this guy has like speech and speech impediments that are seem like an awkward, unsure person as opposed to Kang who seemed like just, nothing matters I, i'm just having fun here uh kind of thing so I, I don't know it's possible this isn't the right variant of kang that's a huge possibility they yeah. just have the wrong guy and that kang sent them mm-hmm. to here for some other reason that not even miss minutes knows about um but I, I like the performance i think it's it's a wild performance it's something that shouldn't work on the face of it and i think jonathan majors is able to pull it off and that was surprising to me. I I never once found myself going, this feels like a character who's too ridiculous. Hmm. Even though he's got the hair, even though he's got the speech pattern, even though he's got these crazy inventions. It it struck me more as like, you know, it's, it's comedy to start off with, right? He's supposed to be this zany character, like a Doc Brown or like a yeah, like yeah, a yeah, Gene yeah. Wilder from Young Frankenstein, right? He's this lunatic. Sure. I mean, even the hair is very similar. Mad to scientist. That. Yeah, yeah, he's a mad scientist. Um, that all worked for me surprisingly well because I could see it totally not. <laughs> yeah, I just like I didn't. Last season, He Who Remains was kind of a wild performance too. It was Absolutely. like you know, zany and like uh, kind of all over the place, and I liked it. And I just found uh-huh. this one a little bit more distracting, uh, where it's like okay. something about the unhinged quality of the Kang from last season, where a guy who's been spending eternity monitoring the timelines and he's kind of driven mad by it. That whereas a guy sense. at the start, I wasn't expecting him to be kind of started off like, and this guy comes across like steampunk frederick Douglass by way of max headroom and uh, uh-huh. it just was a lot it was just a lot it is a lot um, for sure yeah and that's the thing as i found it like distracting in like an unpleasant kind of like this is taking me out of the character kind of way um but they did establish something another uh quality that they might be indicating all king variants possess this this pathological reluctance to share credit and partner with people, which might be why the Kangs mm-hmm. all went to war because, you know, and then there's like even an inherent contradiction there where, you know, the first time that Victor finds out that essentially Rinslayer, and I'm going to, I'm going to, if you hear me call her Rinslayer, it's because I've, I found myself doing that a lot in the notes because there's a small town north of where i grew up called it rinselier oh, okay. and it's so close to rinselier that i kind of so that that's that's what i'm saying if i if, 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 I, if i slip into that but like he asks, like well you guys are doing the exact same thing why aren't you working together why aren't you in cahoots and you could but like you could say the same thing about all the kang variants like you have yeah. so much in common is there no way you guys can share power in the timeline there's got to be one battle for supremacy but apparently that's a very pathological need and you can see it driving him 
where yeah they're playing the a second lot someone that. suggests that he might have to partner rely on somebody he bristles and does something wild and crazy no but, i don't um, do partners the, uh yeah they're playing with yeah. that with loki too right like the the idea that he is always the guy who switches sides that's just his role that's just who he is they're they're yeah. making these de facto statements about characters and the, their personality yeah. traits and i think it's working pretty well if you look at it like the easy thing for Kang to do if he notices this about himself is to to, to fix this is to give it to someone else give it to a yeah. person who is more worthy of it a person who doesn't have that innate need to fight for something and take all of the credit for themselves but that wouldn't be within his personality right and it's just like why also how what does that say about him being gifted the tva manual which all like you see him as a young child clearly he's trying to fuck around and making bat like batteries or he's doing he's clearly gifted but like what does that do to a gifted person if someone hands them all their future inventions on a silver platter it's like you know he and he's sure. clearly like infatuated almost with ouroboros like he sees that as like oh this is the worthy mind visionary but, yeah the idea that he would part. And so he's already in a partnership. And is that part of it that like he's like at a young age, he's forced to concede credit to some other person and he just can't bear his ego won't bear him to like, you know, to, to stand on one more giant shoulders or to lean on someone else for support. It's it's an interesting character quirk, especially uh-huh. when we know he recorded to Renslayer that he valued her partnership well there's also the big secret he's got about her that's going to make her very angry oh, right right so, so that the, could be all fluff minutes. you know that could be but can you trust anything miss minute says because she's that's the other sure. thing i did sure. not have miss minutes being horny for he who remains <laughs> yeah. on my list of what a was clock. in the show's envelope when uh-huh. that shit started up i'm like this is wild and this i saw is, it immediately i was like oh no this is yeah mm, i'm not sure i like this interspecies love story they're telling but okay let's and do a, it and a, and a cat fight between miss Ma- miss uh, minutes and uh rinslayer uh-huh uh-huh yeah, you know, you're right. That might tie in that like this was just all a ruse he used to keep that was her that was that was the thing that he used to keep her on the treadmill. Yeah. Um, what if she was what if he stole the TVA manual from her in the first place? And it was always supposed to be hers it, because she's not like him, you know? It, who who knows? Who knows? And why isn't Ouroboros the one running things? Because now it's like, I always thought it's like, well, Ouroboros is like the second f- fiddle, the second banana. He's but like, he seems. I guess it works in a timey-wimey but way, maybe, of, mm-hmm. of like, yeah, Ouroboros, of like inspiration eating its own tail. But like, he seems that he, he did all of it. Yeah, there's a lot of that, right? Like, if, if Kang was supposed to be the guy who got the book who gave him the book in the first place because here it seems to be kang intended for him to get the book you know there, there's that like snake eating its own tail kind of thing too but yeah i don't, I don't know ob doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who could lead an organization like this he's not an idea guy God. for sure he's he's a technical guy because he's so fucking oblivious like the things that people suggest to him seem pretty obvious and he once they're suggested, he's like, oh, yeah, that's obvious. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, or or he's like, well, we can't do that. And here's why. But he never seems to think of these ideas before anybody else. Right. He's the last one to come up with the idea. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know, because like part of that is is like I think in the first episode, his ideas were being incepted in real times that made him seem scatterbrained. And this yeah, yeah. one, like I will say this about OB, uh, Mr. Kwan has gotten a belly laugh out of me every week for these three weeks. And this line where he's like uh, <laughs> where Mobius says we could hack into it. And he's like, oh, my God, we can. That's such a relief. Like uh-huh. <laughs> The way he delivers those lines is so funny. But um, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the thing about other thing is like I try to calm down because like Marvel's time shit has never been very crunchy. It's sure, like sure. I, like I remember in Infinity War where they're just like, look, you know, this isn't this isn't even Terminator level of consistency. This is just a Marvel timeline where there isn't really causality, or at least they haven't explored that yet. And it's kind of a multiverse, but not in the way that you might under. So it's like I'm. But on the other hand, that's what when the show's all about that. It's not just a MacGuffin to do some other struggle with them, but like it's all about like then and you got people named Mobius and Mobius and Ouroboros. Like they're trying to get me to think about time travel in a crunchy kind of theory type of way. And I don't know. I hope I hope it holds together. I hope it I hope it holds together. I'm also looking at this show as like a a time loom itself. Like there are an infinite number of branching possibilities mm-hmm. in every episode we get where we're pruning away all yeah. the ones that we're not going to tell that story of. Right. Keep the sacred timeline. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, once the series is over, we'll have our sacred timeline and we can look back at it and say, oh, yeah, this makes sense given what we know about the universe now. But we'll see. Yeah. I, I, I'm like I said, not taking it too seriously, not getting too worked up about it. Just trying to have fun with the show, and I think so far it's been delivering very well. I, I had a lot of fun with yeah, this Yeah, I'm super entertained. Too. I'm super entertained. But uh, I always am a little bit half guard up with these Disney Plus things that uh, as much as I like them in the middle of it, it's like ultimately is this going to you know, collapse like a bad souffle? But we'll see. They do run I'm, into... I'm, I'm uh, enjoying my ride as I'm going along through it. Yeah, it's definitely not perfect. I, I, I thought... <laughs> When we first see this episode, I'm like, okay, he gets a TVA handbook. Okay, he's got this machine that he's created. Well, we've got a Doc Brown Uh in Back to the Future 3 situation where mustering all of his scientific abilities and understanding the concepts, he's able to spit out one ice cube. Right. With years of dedication. And, and the material building. science and, and yeah, all they just don't have there. the technology to build the things that he needs to build, even though he well, knows to do, how to build mine uranium himself, you know, right, right. Right. <laughs> and, and, and we run into that problem and they very smartly tell us that, that yes, that's a problem he's been having. Right. Mm-hmm. But then they subvert that with the crude time stick. I think that was a huge mistake. I, Ooh, I think that was stupid. It would just as easy. It would be just as easy to have him. have her hit him with like a billion volts of electricity right just like a huge Mm -hmm. amount of electricity and just kill him be that have that be the threat instead of a time stick there because there's no way he could build a time prototype isn't a prototype time stick it might it not just be that there's like a huge surge of power he can't make it do anything temporal but like when you hit it with that mannequin it looked like it vaporized you know yeah, but it looked exactly like the effect of a time stick. Yeah, and it, I, I it was meant right. to be a crude time stick. And I think that's dumb. Yeah. But that's honestly yeah. my only real complaint with this episode. I think everything I else was not, a lot of fun. I guess I'm not opposed of him by building a crude time stick that's like five times the size and probably massively more inefficient. And because also, I don't know what that did. That temporal loom, I think, works, but not. 
not in the way that you could base an industry out of like it's like uh is that all fraud the t- the the temporal i don't room? know like, yeah the because like where did that electricity come from did he just tap into city mains and just just turn on the tap uh I couldn't tell if that was a thing that was actually doing something with temporal energy or if yeah. that was just electricity, which because I was like, buy. And they really they really put their thumb on the flim flam side when you see the councilman show up with the hydraulic yes. pants or whatever. It's like, well, that's obviously <laughs> bullshit. That's like something out of mad fucking magazine, man. That's not going to uh, work. And if it did, it'd probably break your legs and sever your spine, you know? Right. Fold you up so like a pretzel. It, yeah. it does seem like they're making him out to be a con man, but he also is, right. has working designs. He just can't. He understands. He's got the In understanding. Theory. He just yeah. can't make it work. Yeah. So it's like I don't even know that's a fraudulent tie. It's just a loom that doesn't have the hyperspace capacitors or whatever that you need to make it work. Um, right. Because you need to mine some material that he doesn't have access right. to. Uh, it takes uh, adamantium. And vibranium, sure, and unobtainium all together, <laughs> and insanium. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. That's another good episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh, maybe we should get into the recap. Uh, before we do, I want to say one other kind of unrelated thing. I love it when Marvel does something fancy with the <laughs> Marvel was, stuff, and uh, this kind of old timey Ramin Jawadi player piano version of the Marvel. It's instant, instantaneously recognizable as Marvel, uh-huh. but also entirely in that style. I don't know why. I just feel like that's a magic trick when you can just transpose some. It's like, you know, uh, there's this there's this phrase amongst the young people where they're saying, you know, uh, like, have you ever known a person? And then another person, it's like they're they're that 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 version in cursive. Like, it's like, you know, I, I just I think that's wild. There's a guy I watch on TikTok who does like various. He'll play a song and he seamlessly every five seconds tr- changed the drumming technique. It's like, oh, this is drumming like uh, this thing would do. This is a double bass metalhead drummer, and it's like, it's cool. And they did a good, they did a great job. I mm-hmm. highly enjoyed the old timey Marvel logo, for sure. Now, now we can get to the recap. Uh oh, the timeline's branching. We'll be right back. <laughs> TVA is watching. Here's more Loki. All right, we start off in 1868, Chicago, Illinois, on the Sacred Timeline. Rinslayer meets Miss Minutes, who says that he remains, uh, wants her to put a package in this window. And Miss Minutes also tells her that he remains as dead, but that what when he returns, they'll all get to be by his side, uh, you know, ruling together, as long as she delivers this package. So she does. And then a young boy gets it. And we see that it's the TVA handbook. And speaking of music, the music cue they hit, I don't even know if this moment <laughs> warrants it, but they uncork some epic fucking Kang music when you see this little boy mm. touch that book. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty awesome. I, I thought the, um, so like the great Chicago fire legend has it was set off by Mrs. O'Leary's cow. And I, I, I know that they said this was two years before, but I thought it's interesting. We're in the shantytown part of Chicago and there's conspicuously a lan- lit lantern with a with a, a cow just hanging out. And I thought, oh, wow. the last thing we see that cow going to kick it or something. But apparently the time of it's but but is there. I don't know if we're supposed to understand that That's literally Mrs. O'Leary's cow. But uh, um, it's pretty funny. Not heard this story. That started the Chicago. Really? Fire. That's mm. the legend that like there was an old Irish woman at a barn and her cow 
kicked over a lantern and that's what started. Now, apparently, because I actually looked into that uh, this morning, um, apparently that's all a bunch of anti-immigrant, Irish immigrant um, bullshit that they were just looking to pin a scapegoat and... You know, that this fire started on a nearer property and it's like, oh, she was drunk and milking her cow late at night and the cow just wanted to sleep and was angry and it kicked. It's like, but yeah, I don't I don't think uh, fire forensics were in a place in the 1860 Chicago that they could probably conclusive figure any of that shit out. But maybe this is Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Could be. Uh, it's a good thing Rinslayer is dressed plausibly 19th century. Her outfit is like borderline something you could see someone wearing. Yeah. I wonder if that's one of the th- reasons the TVA has this kind of weird, timeless quality. Cause it's, you know, um, yeah. Cause yeah, like OB could go back into the 1850s and it would look weird what he's wearing, but not like, yeah. You know, if you showed up in like jeans and a, you know, t-shirt or something like that's just you would look I don't know like what would people make of uh, someone showing up in like acid wash jeans and a, a logo t-shirt you'd look like a weirdo <laughs> you would absolutely stand out yeah uh, yeah and also back then people like, were so provincial it's like they, they always did that in Star Trek The Next Generation anytime Data showed up in 20th Century Earth it's like ah oh, he's from France or ah oh, he's from Brazil and it's like people are like fuck I don't know maybe, maybe there are people like albino people from France yeah, you could always say you're from somewhere exotic, right, and far away. Yeah, but but yeah. you show up in like Captain America's uniform, and it's you're going to have the authorities news. on you. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. In any era, <laughs> uh, yeah, you no one in France dresses like that either, dude. We know. Yeah, the only time you see Captain America and don't call the cops is in like uh, children's hospital if if the Captain America lookalike <laughs> or is, is doing the rounds. Otherwise, like yeah, that guy's uh, running around. He's getting the cops called on him. Yep. Uh, and and we obviously, I don't think there's any question here that this is he who remains, right? This boy. I mean, it's made clear, but oh, even yeah. in that scene, you're like, oh, this is him. But even then, they they interest the idea that like every Kang variant doesn't become a Kang, and certainly every Kang variant doesn't become a he who remains. Mm-hmm. That, that there's something singular about that. Now that that could be he who remains propaganda. But it's like Miss Minutes and Ravona seem like they're very convinced that this is something singular about the He Who Remains, and but they're also yep. the idea that you can you can make a He Who Remains. Like maybe that that was his idea is like I'm gonna die, but I also have the seed that I know will make me become me. So I, that's stuff that's the stuff I'm like, eh, maybe I got to see how it plays out. Do you think that's the actual He Who Remains? That's that's the one that eventually won that war. I think that he who remains thinks that he can respawn himself by giving this particular Kang or Victor or whatever this book. Now that's what they're telling him through this whole episode, yeah. right? Do you think yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true that he is that? I, guy. I don't know if he's the actual one or just like the he who remains is convinced that he will become him if you if you give him at this right age at this particular day this particular book. So it's like there again, there's the Ouroboros of it all. Uh-huh. You know, is he going back in time to literally added himself in his youth or I'm not or sure it's the right one for the job. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe if it's, it's like the right it was, one if, to if, if, fight if, Sylvie. I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, there's the causality of it is like if, if Kang generated by someone giving him this book, then how did Kang ever originate? Because my understanding of Kang, he's just a brilliant scientist that lucked into all this stuff. Um, 
so like my understanding is like this is not a special kang this is just a kang that the 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 kang prime knew that if i gave him this book it would kickstart him into the prime but that's just my best guess based on how i understand the time travel they're, they're doing on the show yeah i assume there's a lot of um obviously all this plan is based on things that he's seen and he knows uh need to happen exactly so um to create the outcome he wants and it feels to me like sylvie's killing of him is part of that i know there was a time yeah during that whole sequence at which he couldn't see the future anymore but to me yeah. that's because he was he was now part of that that great you know vast stretch of information he wasn't the thing anymore it was the plan itself and right. so he the, the the plan that he said in motion was to go create a different kang and it might be a maybe a different gentler kind of kang that he needs to not have sylvie murder him right like because at the mm. end of this episode sylvie against her better judgment uh, spares his life and it might mm. be that this is the one version of him that could have talked his way out of the situation that would make sylvie not kill him yeah, I was thinking the same thing was him goading kill Sylvie into killing him like this, this elaborate Thanos gambit where it's like all the things have to happen. And then it's like um, he couldn't see the future because there's only two distinct possibilities, like either Sylvie kills him or he doesn't. And if she didn't kill him, then I guess he'd have to try again. But yeah, he, like there needed to be some kind of cycle of rebirth to launch an you know whatever his grand plan is to the next level is what it feels like to me yeah yeah so i I kind of agree with you there okay uh boy it's a lot to dig into in that first scene there uh Mm -hmm. we kind of stretched through the whole episode here but let's go back to the tba where the number of timelines is growing and threatening to overwhelm the loom uh like it has been and they figure if they could find rinslayer they find miss minutes and miss minutes could help them fix the loom so this is where one of the central things that bugged me, especially on second watch, is there's a clear implication, an inescapable conclusion, which is General Doc saved the entire universe by committing the multiple genocides of trillions of people last episode. Because what this show is telling me, that if she hadn't done that, the loom would have blown up, the TVA would have been destroyed, and the entire timelines would collapse, and everyone would have died. So General Docs was mm-hmm. right. But the entire uh, emotional payload of last episode, which didn't honestly work, mm-hmm. was that she's a, a uniquely heinous individual. But I can't square these two. What things if they didn't have other. to waste time going after Docs, and that would have given them the time to go after Miss Minutes that, to if fix like the Docs loom. Had done an all hands trying to find Rinslayer instead of going back to frantically pruning. Yeah, there's yeah. that. That's that's. But as it out, actually. Yeah, it's hard to do a contra contra positive, but yeah, but it, it did feel to me like kind of Docs is vindicated because if she hadn't done that, the TVA would have been destroyed. And if the TVA is destroyed, all timelines cease, then as bad as it was to kill 90 percent of the, the existing timelines, it's better than killing 100 percent. So it's a little messy. Yeah, no. And I mean, they wanted to. The, yeah. I don't know. It is messy for sure because um, they've been, you know, controlling it and averting the crisis of the loom overloading for eons by just pruning other timelines. Right? Yeah. They just but there was like before the loom existed, there was ungoverned 
time uh-huh. and in that ungoverned time a man named Kang was able to scrape together enough technology to make the loom so it's like it seems like the universe was doing just fine unmanaged and it was Kang's maniacal need to just have the one guy you know yeah, what she says save the, the universe but mm-hmm. also you guys could have just stopped fighting you know like that so it's like I <laughs> yeah I don't know it's it's hard it's it's and then and they might have some really clever timey wimey thing where I'm like hats off to you guys but I see this as an obvious contradiction and no one is like the sh- everyone in the show that I feel like smart people that should be like hey wait a minute no one's stay doing that they're just crashing ahead with the the plans that they essentially hatched late last season so I Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I, like I said, I'm not calling bullshit. I'm just like seeing where bullshit might be. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're sniffing around to see if there's I'm picking any up these breadcrumbs. It's all about these breadcrumbs I'm picking up. You uh-huh. know? And you're tasting them to see if they're bread or bullshit. Right. That's the only way to tell. <laughs> <laughs> the taste, the taste test. Uh, so Loki and Mobius go back to 1893. Well, they actually go back to 1868 first. I don't know. And then they go to 1893 to the place where Rinslayer was twice. She was here 25 years apart, two times. And they wonder why she'd go there and then decide to go to 1893. Oh, it's the World's Fair. That must be interesting. So they're going to go there. They hear a, a newspaper boy shouting about ghost clocks and realize this must be Miss Minutes. Yeah, it was, it was funny that Mobius is walking through talking about how they're going to carefully assemble clues, keep their ears to the ground, and, <laughs> and then, then this guy comes like, Ghost Miss Minutes, terrifying the midway. Uh-huh, literally shouting it at him. And there's this like offhand comment where Loki's like, I can't believe this is the same city when they go from like 1868 to the, the giant glow up, which is the city had burnt down, they'd rebuilt it, and then there's the middle of the World's Fair. It's like, it's not the same city. It's, yeah. it's, it's the second city. I thought that was pretty funny. The shocking thing that they say to me is that no one no major figures arrive arise from here like none from chicago in 1868 or the ensuing years like none yeah like what was are we New talking York, major like, like only going s- concern in america at that point <laughs> none <laughs> well i was wondering like is are they talking like major on the scale of like kang and Thanos and you know Galactus and sure. things like that or major like Thomas Edison invented his light bulb here like I, I don't know I don't know I don't know either it just seemed like a bold statement but they're going with it uh, so Loki and Mobius have to kill some time at the fair waiting for the glo- ghost clock event and eventually they stumble upon this uh, Norse god display which Loki is not on and he's a little jealous kind of a theme of this episode too a little jealousy uh they see a sign about temporal marvels and victor timely and they decide to attend that event i enjoyed owen wilson constantly shoving cracker jack in his mouth throughout these scenes um i thought it's funny that loki <laughs> said the cracker jack tastes like ash is his is his Asgardian taste buds work wrong because Cracker Jack mm, tastes like many. Th- maybe if you got a burnt piece of popcorn, but I think the caramel coating yeah. would still. Maybe it's the caramel he objects to. Maybe it's the burnt nature of the sugar, but it's but it's caramelized. It's not burnt. It's a wild way to describe the taste of Cracker Jack, like yeah, burning. You know, for sure. Like, to, to, like like Ralphie describes. Or does tobacco he on. does he smell the residuals of the Chicago fire? Is that what he's getting at? Oh, does he think that like everything in the city? It's a second city joke. Oh, maybe. 
his Asgardian Maybe. nose is too sensitive. Yeah, yeah. I love um, uh, how Mobius is just using this as an excuse to experience the fair. He he just wants to go around and eat yeah, caramel uh-huh. corn and ride rides and see the sights. In you well, know the guys high, of the, the, the Cracker Jack stands a high traffic area. That's where you'd meet people. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Uh, this the scene with Balder, Odin, and Thor. I think works on two levels because I think it's a meta commentary on things that are often labeled against like. Um, you know, the mighty Thor is not a careful, respectful depiction of Norse culture, right? Sure. Um, it's it's anything but. Um, and if the the Norse people were like an, a, a repress, like if, if Norway was like a third world repressed, you know, uh, overrun, colonialized culture, it would be unconscionable to depict their their ways and religions and stuff in this way. But since they're not it's like kind of fair game. And I think it's this Loki commenting on it. And also it just lets Tom Hiddleston be just a really insecure, jealous little brother. And he plays it like not in a camp way. It's like dead. And that it's just deadpan. Mm-hmm. And that makes it even funnier. Like where the, he's just like, Thor's not that tall. Yeah. It's <laughs> deceiving. It's so funny. It's so funny. It is. It's quite good. Especially with, I don't think Mobius is doing this to, to shine him on either. It's like legit. It was like, oh, yeah, I've, I even forget you're one of them. You're, uh-huh. that, you're a god. Wow, it blows my mind. Like, it's such an insult. But, but it's so true, right? Like, in the show, you can be forgiven for it, especially this season so far. He hasn't done much god yeah. stuff, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. He's, he's disappeared a couple of people, but that's about it. Yeah. Most of the yeah. time when and- he's using godlike powers, it's machinery. Yeah, and even Loki, I mean, even Thor is a fairly ridiculous character in the MCU. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can forget that, he, you know, he's, yeah, he is a god, and every once in a while, though, they get to those majestic notes with him. Um, Like, yeah, when he comes down in the, what was it, Avengers, is the Infinity War, the first one, where he comes down to Wakanda, like, in the Thunder, like, fucking, yeah, god of thunder. But most of the time, he's yeah. just, like, a drunken frat bro goofball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah it's just yeah the him saying that and then thor's not that tall really funny and we go over to this um temporal marvel show with victor timely who was pretty obviously jonathan majors you could tell from the very first line i i, I didn't know i guess i didn't know it from the sign i wasn't like oh we must be getting here to kang stuff i probably should have known um, I did from the trailer because I saw, you know, him him doing his Victor stuff in the trailer. So I'm like, as soon as I saw Temporal Marvel, this is probably. Oh, you probably saw the trailer? Huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we're at the show. They spot Renslayer there, but they play it cool uh, temporarily while the show plays out. And it's he who remains, uh, or at least a prototype version of him. He's invented a temporal loom, which he demonstrates to the audience to light some light bulbs. Mobius says, well, we have to get him back to the loom to use his aura to stop the meltdown. But after the show, Rinslayer is the first first to approach him, says we got to talk. But then a whole the whole room seems to want this loom. They they get in a bidding war um, and he ends up selling the loom to somebody for a thousand dollars. And we'll kind of stop there for a second. Uh, I couldn't believe the crowd was delighted and excited by this display. I would 
the, the second that thing started throwing lightning bolts into the auditorium's theater, I'd be heading mm-hmm. for the exit. But everybody's just like, wow, it's all so cool. They, <laughs> I guess they didn't know any better. Burns to the ground 15 yeah. years earlier or whatever. Yeah, this was Thousands a wild, dis- yeah. wild display of power. And my <laughs> question is, like, where is the flim flam of it? It's like, obviously, he's cheating. It doesn't do what it says it does, but it's but there's also the idea of like it's kind of a prototype in the sense that like if he had the right materials and technology it would work but it doesn't and i'm wondering how the guy like he comes out with like two burnt pieces of cable and is like vector you screwed me over and i'm like how were you able to tell within five minutes of looking at this machine that looked like it catastrophically failed at the end that it was flim flam but i guess he can yeah, it's it's tough to know for sure. Um, like it feels like the type of thing that it would take a scientist taking it back to his lab and 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 tearing it apart before you'd be like, oh, this this fucking this doesn't work, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it blew up at the show because it did seem to to blow up. It and did burn blow out. up, and so you bought it as is, fucker. You saw it blow up. You paid a thousand dollars for it. <laughs> right, Go fuck that, yourself. That should be his excuse. Somehow. That's what I would be, Victor. It's like I. It's like, why do you, do you thought it worked? Like, it, yeah, it worked the one time until I overloaded it. But mm-hmm. here, it's you know, well, how much are you going to pay for a uh, overloaded temporal loom? Yeah, you want a working you one? You can find a working. 4K. Yeah, if you want a working one, try to find one on the open market. You know. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I talked about the the real Doc Brown problem that I thought he had, but that that is addressed uh, in this very scene or the the next scene really where they're talking about it. Uh, I was more worried for his safety at that point. A black man walking down the streets of 1893 Chicago with $1,000 in cash in his pocket. That yeah. seemed dangerous. I don't even know how he got out of that room. Yeah. Let alone they, down the street. So when they dropped the boy on him, like my head slapped and snapped back. I'm like, all right, this is... Uh uh, not that modern day America is not racist, but like <laughs> it cranks up the dial quite a bit as you go back in time. Oh, yeah. But it's a northern city, you know, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there are worse places to for a black man to have a thousand dollars in 1893. Yep. Yep. Anything south of Mason Dixie Dixie line, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rinslayer, Mobius and Loki all chase down. Uh Victor, I, I don't know. I'm calling him he, he who remains. Uh, it becomes apparent that he is a con man and he's chased by the people who bought the loom. He gives him the slip on the Ferris wheel. And then Mobius tells the, the TVA they've got a, a he who remains variant and they're going to try and bring him back. And they say, Casey found a weird temp pad reading. Does this play out? Is this where Sylvie is coming from? Because she's going to show yeah. up here in a second. They don't really make it. In fact, the first time I watched it, because I just do the first time I watched this, I just 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 don't take notes. I just watch it. And I remember thinking Mm -hmm. like, what? I wonder what that's going to turn out to be when I watch it. It's like there's a 10 second delay, but it's obviously Sylvie showing up. That's what I assumed. Yeah, they don't make it. It is interesting why she's so like strange, but not something that they could catalog. Right. But I guess this version of the TVA has never fought Sylvie. Yeah, they're working in a fairly diminished capacity at the moment. Yeah, uh, like they're... this isn't the same version of TVA last year. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a different version of the TVA. Yeah, so. all new leaders. Um... Are we? That's not true. What Loki jumped into is the 
past version of the TVA. It's the same TVA. It's just a TVA in the past. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the makeup of the people there because all the, all right. the people who would normally be leading this are off either working against it or sideline and is miss minutes literally like the brains of this place like if she's not there like their computer because like I, I i don't understand why they wouldn't recognize sylvie's temporal signature unless uh-huh. this is the showrunners telling us the writers telling us that there's something different or off about her maybe yeah i'm not sure um i don't know there, there's some fun chase scenes here uh, they're going to do this throughout the episode, but I really like the Ferris wheel setting here um, with, mm-hmm. you know, him tricking the bad guys to get in and or the bad guys, the guys chasing him to get in and then sneaking out and forcing them to ride it. And then I like the getting yeah, back in having, and going mm-hmm. around once as they're having this confrontation. That was a lot of fun. And, and the, the guys are sitting there like fuming the whole time looking <laughs> at him. the other car. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like how pissed you would be if you got stuck on a Ferris because that's a huge ass Ferris wheel. Yeah. You're not getting down for an hour, dude. And like (laughs) you're just fuming the whole time. There's no way you're going to catch this guy. I liked I like this guy. Like I thought it was the confrontation where the guy stepped in front of Loki and he stepped on his foot. I thought that was funny just because this guy's a giant of a man and Loki's canonically a frost giant. Like he's he's, nice. he's, he's, nice. he's 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 walking around like he's uh, Tom Hiddleston, but like he's this yeah he's a Thor two all fucking, over again. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I like the idea that uh, this dude is like bullying this like looks like a small or I guess average sized guy, and not only is he a Norse god, but he's also just a legit probably bigger than this guy too. Yep. Uh, so Sylvie shows up to kill he who remains on the Ferris wheel. And Loki and her end up arguing about the TVA in front of him. Uh, meanwhile, Mobius tells Renslayer that they need her help to save the TVA, but she's not willing. Uh, eventually, Sylvie blasts everybody out of the Ferris wheel, and Renslayer releases Miss Minutes, who terrifies the crowd, grows gigantic, uh, starts menacing them, and then she grabs He Who Remains and gets away. I don't get why loki is so pro tva that's the thing that i'm, I'm having trouble with because like all the, everything that loki is saying or it's like loki is <sighs> loki's arguing with sylvia from the perspective as if she it should be obvious and she should be on board with like we need to protect the tva and like i got last episode that's a wrong tack to take with her and he tries it just again without any kind of change or variant of just like it's saying the same things over again instead of trying a different tack. I thought it was a little frustrating, especially since, again, why are we going along with what he who remains says about the how shit works? Right. There's because, there's two competing interests here, right? There's not wanting to prune billions or trillions or quadrillions yeah. of people on the timeline, an infinite number of people on the timelines. And then there's if we don't the timelines will produce a bunch of Kangs who are going to fight and in the universe potentially because that's what Kang said. And the evidence we have is Kang said so. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we know a lot more because we've seen Ant-Man and Wasp 3 and some other things, but like why in this show is Loki so fucking convinced by this? And I mean, why the, the is he seeing convinced? the future stuff, I think was fairly convincing, right? Like they tried to kill him. They just tried to straight up murder him. And at every point he knew exactly what they were going to do and there was no chance they could do it. So Mm -hmm. it's fairly convincing when someone who can manifestly see the future tells you that this thing is true. But he's saying something self-serving for him. Like, you know, and the the thing that the story he would tell is like, Oh, multiple lines are chaos. And, 
there can only be the one sacred timeline and I'm the only one keeping it all together when it could just be it's like, well, you just got a temporary victory and then you cemented it by making sure no one else could exist. Because I, I just totally. want I just no, want I'm Sylvie to be like I just want Sylvie to say the following sentence to Loki. Uh huh. Was there a time before the TVA? And how did the universe behave then? Mm-hmm. And then I want Loki to have a blank look on his face and be like, oh, fuck, I have no idea. I'm well, taking all my cosmology. Can say, well, yeah, there was a time before the TVA and it resulted in a war that almost ended the entire multiverse. And then she can say, how do you know that? Yes. Did you read it in the Bible, essentially? You know, like uh, that's, that, <laughs> uh-huh. that's what I'm saying It's like it's very there's almost like a faith based thing that Loki's going on or I'm just not getting something. No, I, I think but, you're right. OK, I think Loki has bought into the idea that Kang is actually telling the truth. And and he's just running with that. But it but it brings you to the question of, well. Yeah, I, I mean, that's it, right? Like his his wanting to preserve the TVA comes all out of that, of just believing Kang. You, go ultimate, you could go ultimate nihilist and be like, if it is the case that our universe can only be maintained by the constant destruction of every other universe, what right does this universe have to exist at all? You know? Well, isn't it better that one universe exists than all of them be destroyed? I don't know. Is it better? I guess it's like, you know... <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, throwing up arguments here, yeah. Yeah, but like I was like, if you have a vamp, vampires are real, right? Is it better to have a world infested with vampires that are constantly sucking the life out of people, uh, or is it better to have just a planet full of vampires, or better have no planet at all? I don't know. Sure. I mean, I guess that's like that's essentially the life we're living on. We have to eat and consume things to survive, but mm-hmm. you know, ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I I'm not sure where the show is going with, and it's it's getting frustrating because like even if even if Loki believes that, he knows Sylvie doesn't, and it's like he's a too smart. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing is he's a trickster, mischief maker kind of guy. Like, could he not come up with a better argument than just saying the same damn thing? Fair. To himself over and over again. He needs like, to come up with Loki, a way to prove it to her. Yeah. Would this argument work on you? Because this is you and it's not working on it. And it's been three episodes now that you've been trying. Like, something else, please. If, 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 if one, if, if, if Sylvie comes back and this same fucking conversation happens again, I'll be Roth, like an Asgardian god. I'll, the lightning bolts to start coming out of my ass. I, I just don't know what I don't to do. It's it's not fun to watch. I agree. Something's got to change there because um, neither of them seem convinced. Although it feels like something may have changed here. Uh, the thing Sylvie, Sylvie lets him win. She's like, fine, we'll have it your way. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think we'll be on that treadmill much longer. If, Agreed. If if we're not already off it. Uh. They definitely, like, speaking of branching timelines, they definitely created a branch with this Miss Minute stunt, right? <laughs> like, there's a branch of this universe now where the story of the Chicago World's Fair is that a fucking giant ghost clock terrorized everyone off of the, out of the thoroughfare there. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, it doesn't have to. Yeah, obviously, it's like, you know, there's real life events where people have convinced there's been, you know, monsters in different cities and and whatnot. So it's like it. But like, yeah, like uh, I read, checked a Wikipedia article of the World's Fair in Chicago. There was no menace, no no menacing ghost clock. So not heard of it. (laughs) Sacred timeline has taken a little deviation already, it seems like. Yeah. It was Uh, really funny, though. uh Yeah. 
the giants, especially because I didn't envision like when I saw a ghost clock menaces, I thought it'd just be like, oh, people saw her floating through window. But she fucking goes Super Saiyan with this ghost clock business. Yeah. And she's having fun with it, too. She's enjoying oh, yeah. terrorizing these people. Miss Kaiju clock. So we go back to he remains uh <laughs> Flophouse, I, I don't know where he's staying. He either <laughs> yes. really loves Asian culture or he's staying in Chinatown temporarily. Because uh, everything in here is Asian. Yeah, he's just staying at Pier 1, essentially, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he shows uh, Renslayer his, uh, and Miss Minutes his fancy chair, his refrigerator chair. And then they explain to him what's going on, that he created the TVA, but he was murdered by the two Lokis. And they say, we're going to keep you safe and we need to, to the TVA needs you to come save it. And then they throw some shade at the Lokis and then he remains says, okay, we need to go back across the lake to grab to my lab to grab my latest prototype before we go. I like when she lays it all out to him. He's like, yes, the wizard said as much. Like I thought that's a really funny uh-huh. way to come back. Um, and it's then a- like, yeah, they really, they really sell the kind of catfight aspect early like miss minutes yep. is constantly horning in on rinsalier's attempt to horn in on her action uh, yeah because Rins- i thought was Rinsalier's kind of- being like he, he says oh it's something yes misses and she corrects him to miss right miss mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rinsalier. Yeah. i'm available minutes. yeah i can't remember <laughs> um is there and a, he's like yeah there's there's also like there's this all it's it's all hearsay because like when Rinslayer says um you know there's countless versions of you and you created the tva and all that stuff and he's like he cre- you know i created the tva she's like yeah did you not hear the murder part and at least he comes back with like well yeah but that man tried to protect me and she's like oh well that's his thing he's just always switching sides it's again like mm-hmm. all these people are relying on everyone else's eyewitness testimony about something that they have no direct knowledge on which they, I think they play it straight with Victor it, feel, it felt plausible of him trying to like who can I trust here yeah you know himself Espe- being a con artist right like that's I think that's good for him yeah. to be fairly skeptical, but he also has this book with these magical inventions in it and this. So, so he's primed to accept something uh, mm-hmm. as far as the story goes, but who right. has he's the kind truth. of expecting like, yeah, you would be an expectation at some point like or a bore. You'll meet him, right? Like this is obviously shit from to. the future. Mm-hmm. Eventually mm-hmm. you'll catch up. But yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Um what about what is the line about Wisconsin and lower taxes? I thought that was yeah I'd, a weird non sequitur. Might just be having fun. I don't know because yeah. Chicago has fairly high taxes. They do now. Did they do? But did I don't they back know. in the day. I don't know. Like this is pre income tax. You understand that like Americans didn't have an income tax until like World War One, and it's probably another thirty years before the majority of people had to pay it. So, what, is it about another like, fire thing? Like, did they raise taxes to get that city maybe, back on its feet? That's usually why taxes get in. You know, it's everything's fine until some disaster happens, and yeah, like I mean, shit. How are we going to pay for all works this? projects? I mean, sure. Yeah, it's just weird. It's a weird Chicago Wisconsin thing, maybe. Uh, so the swindled guys catch up with him and they all have to sneak out a back alley. Uh, Loki and Mobius also catch up and they run smack into these swindled fools uh, and <laughs> run them off. 
Yeah, but they fail to find he remains in Renslayer. Yeah, like uh, because like the whole time Owen Wilson uh, Mobius has been trying to like keep Loki under wraps and hastily covering up with like you know when Loki makes someone disappear. Oh, it's amazing! Great, like it's look, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all part of the all part of the act kind of folks. But this like Mobius is like yeah, do do your do your Asgardian thing, and he just <laughs> blows him up with green shit. Yeah. That works at the World's Fair where people are expecting to see Marvels, but I guess I don't know it about would, the back right? Alleys of like if you're Chicago a time Street. traveler wanting to flash out, go to a World's Fair because people totally. just think you're like the next Edison and they'll want to buy whatever you're doing. That's yep. the place to go for technology indistinguishable from magic. Seems like it. Uh, then we go over to the bow where um, he who remains loads up his stuff on a ship, and when they're underway, he shows Rinslayer and minutes the TVA handbook. And she says that she brought it to him way back 30, 25 years ago. He says how much it meant to him and shows her a drawing of the throughput multiplier, which he thinks could fix the loom. There's also some flirting here. Um, but Renslayer ends up calling him a partner, which makes him immediately drop her off a ship in a lifeboat. I don't know how that worked out. Did she just go to sleep on this journey and the lifeboat was the place because they don't have a cabin and then he dropped her so they established that they're sitting in a lifeboat when they're talking here because that's also how Miss Minutes can be floating around and nobody see there they're like over the side kind of like I guess on this type of ship they kept that shit hooked up and ready to drop um, on this ferry but yeah I, in fact I had to rewind this once or twice to figure out I was watching it I'm like what the hell just happened because yeah. I it wasn't immediately obvious to me that the, the yeah that they were sitting in the rowboat the, the whole time, but um, that but would be a terrifying thing. Can you imagine like laying down? I it didn't. Yeah, well, it I think didn't that's make sense. That, they wanted to do the smash cut, it, and yeah, it didn't quite. How make long does sense. it take to get to Wisconsin from it, Chicago it can't in a ferry? Be more than a couple like, of few hours, maybe. But if it's late at night, you you know you got to go lay down and go to sleep somewhere. Maybe, maybe. I suppose. <laughs> Can't wait but, till you get to uh, the lab and then sleep. She's a sound sleeper that people could scrabble out of the boat and up the side of it before someone, you know, she had. But that, that's got to be one of the worst ways to wake up. You're sound asleep <laughs> and you drop 30 feet and crash to the water. Oh, my God. Also, yeah. this is an incredible woman. Gendry from Game of Thrones get in the back of the line. She oh, goes from dead rowing. sleep to getting dropped and she just gets that and she just starts rowing. And she's <laughs> only like chance, 15 man. minutes behind them. Not behind the steamship. <laughs> she's got to be yoked like uh, Olympic yeah. weightlifter, man. I want to see Ramona's traps is what I want to see. Yeah, I don't buy the Captain America can make that row, let alone Renslayer. <laughs> that far Especially or that since, fast. again... Yeah, like, again, Kang and Miss Minutes gets, like, what, a 10-minute head start on her? She, like, just does not miss a beat. And once she loses sight of that boat, navigation becomes does. a problem. I don't think <laughs> she does, right. She just goes 20 knots or whatever the fuck that boat's doing <laughs> in her stupid robo dinghy. Yeah. Yeah. But this is where we see the pathological partnership thing break down, where he was, like, kind of borderline on love with this woman giving her origami flowers and shit and then she mm-hmm. says partnership and instantly all changed which is that, that's nice I, I like that touch um, it really shows that it's not necessarily oh this Kang views you know the world as needing saving it's more like he wants the glory for it yeah, he wants all to about be the guy who saves it 100% 
Uh, and this is the scene where we see, you know, him open the book and say, yeah, I've, I've idolized this visionary author, Obi, <laughs> which is what we know about him is mm-hmm. kind of hilarious. I don't know. He is a visionary of sorts, but and his book picture at the back of the book, it's just, um, I got the idea, like I got the idea I was looking at a different variant from like uh, everything everywhere all at once. Like there's something a little bit more serious and dignified, maybe just the black and white, but like mm-hmm. did he who remains do something to Ouroboros that like made mm-hmm. him have like the, like the memory of a goldfish? Because like I, I maybe I'm just building this all from a black and white image of K. Wee Kwan, but I, I I got the idea that like he was a little bit more of a serious person in that image. Well, and that's the guy the thing. who Unless... sat down and buckled down and wrote this manual <laughs> is different than the guy who's just 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 constantly like ADD brained, uh, going to the tubes and short term fixing and not think you know so, something about that. It's He's possible. Like, Although I I mean I don't know. I always look at the jacket. Uh, the jacket sleeve photos of authors on books and they always look so self-serious right mm-hmm. unless you're Stephen King Stephen King is the exception where he just I don't know he he loves making crazy looking photos on his jacket well he's a crazy looking dude yeah I love it I respect Stephen it Stephen King uh-huh. he's a variant <laughs> it must be the spooky variant so they make it uh, miss minutes and he remains get back to his lab and he grabs the culmination of his life's work a little globe like device that rotates I I don't know what that is he's ready to leave it's a throughput multiplier it looks just like the yeah yeah I I backed up and looked it's it's it looks exactly like the drawing of it I thought these might be two different devices but that makes sense um so he's ready to leave but miss minutes suggests that they lay low for a while and she starts explaining to him how much they meant to each other and their relationship and how much they've been through and then asks why he never allowed her a real body. Uh, <laughs> he, weird. He, he keeps trying to remind her that like, I, I, I'm not that guy. Like I, mm-hmm. at least not yet. Um, but she's just insane with love. And so she, he has to shut her off. <laughs> Yeah, when she superposes her face on a mannequin, her eyes <laughs> oh kind of glitch out. It's like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to have to, like, chew my arm off to escape this like a wolf in a trap. I can, yep. yeah. She wants a body so of, she can get it I took, in. I, t- <laughs> I took home a crazy woman <laughs> from the bar. What am I going to do? Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, so there's that. Anything more to say about that, or should we get to the when Rinslayer shows up? Yeah, what more can you say about? That? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I said, when, when that, I because I, you know, I was like, oh, it's kind of funny that Miss Minutes is kind of jealous of her, and um, you know, like a kid sister kind of way. But when she went to full court press, it was like, holy shit! Yeah. And I love when she's going to pop out of this here in a minute when they reactivate to her, and she's still mid sentence, <laughs> but she's saying it's a Rinslayer. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, never mind. Uh, so Rinslayer shows up with a crude time stick and says she's the one in charge now, points it at he remains. Uh, Loki and Mobius show up too and they try and talk her into helping them. She says uh, she's the only one who can create order and she's about to zap he who remains when Sylvie shows up and blasts them all. 
and she's going to kill he who remains, but he protests that he's not the man she thinks he is, which surprisingly works. Um, they open a time door for him and Loki and Mobius follow him through it. You know, stop there for a second. So like, why I have it on my own idea, but I'm curious what you think. Why did Sylvie stay her hand? I'm not really sure. I don't know if this is compassion for a man who know she knows is manifestly not him yet. Or if this is a, ugh, I can't, con- I, I don't want to continue working on this, right? Like her whole, th- I guess it's probably more the latter. Like her whole thing has been, I just want to check out and not have to deal with any of this. I just want to live a mundane ass McDonald's life. But here I am getting wrapped back up into this thing. And if I kill him, it probably only starts another chain reaction that makes it worse. So fine, go do your thing. I'm leaving. It's my my feeling, my immediate thought on it. I can't help but look through it in the lens of like what we know canonically about Loki and that he is kind of like the villain, but kind of like out of circumstance and maybe he wanted to do more but like you know he's got these expectations from his father and the love of his mother and the jealousy of this older brother that's overshadowing him and Sylvie probably went through that too and yet she came through the end of it like being this hunted persecuted person that then became this freedom fighter right and Mm -hmm. uh, like I'm wondering if she's thinking what would happen to me if I was in my villain era <laughs> mm-hmm. borrow some some taylor swift there swift swiftism she's in her villain era and some asshole with a, a sword came out of a time gate and said all right villain you're gonna fuck you're gonna die right now and the idea of like well, that who was i was but it's not who i am now and now i'm back to i've got that power over someone else i think that's what you know uh, th- that's that's what I got out the fact that like the hypocrisy of her ending someone before they had a chance to learn and grow and as frustrated as she is with Loki you know and the TVA giving him the tools he needs to become he who remains is like well how can anyone it is it felt like an act of faith um, and that's yeah. why ultimately like if without this moment I've been a little bit more frustrated the episode because it just been Loki fruitlessly trying to have the same argument where you know, but like having this, I thought was a grace note of her applying her own experience and, and having genuine empathy, which is what led her to this whole freedom struggle in the first place. The fact she is empathetic. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's 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 what I got out of it. OK, I can see it for sure. Um, Yeah, I guess I expected more from that line. I, like, I'm trying to connect the dots between the line that Loki tells her at the end of the second episode I think where he says uh, running is easier or something like that or or staying is harder right Mm -hmm. I'm trying to connect that to what I'm seeing from her and that doesn't seem to have landed the way I expected it to that feels like a line to me that's meant to actually result in someone changing their mind but when she comes back she's still trying to accomplish the same goal you know yeah but also it, uh, I guess it flies in the face of like, you know, Mobius asking her like, well, not Mobius, Loki. Well, what will you do if he the variants are true and he comes back? She says, well, I'll just kill them all. So she's also, mm-hmm. you know, kind of put on a spot that like, well, here's a Kang variant. And yeah, but it feels like it's a Sisyphean task. Like if you uh-huh. want to prevent Kang from returning and you want infinite 
branches, you're going to be in an infinite hunting mission to kill all the Kangs that pop up. Yeah, you will need every Loki in every timeline to be working on killing Kangs, probably. Yeah. And there's also something I guess we should get the the, the discussion she has with Rinslayer. God damn it. I almost got the whole podcast without doing it. Rinslayer. The conversation she has with Rinslayer I thought was also very interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, let's turn to that. Uh, Sylvie turns her attention to Rinslayer now. Um, she doesn't kill her. Instead, she opens a time door at the end of time and kicks her through it. And she sees the dead, uh, he who remains, and the crumbling palace. And Miss Minutes says she knows one of he remains huge secrets about Rinslayer that is going to make her real angry. That line about how crippling obsession can be when it's focused on like I've never like had this obsession yeah. where I wanted to kill someone before, but <laughs> I've had like the romantic types. And as fun mm. as it is to be obsessed when it's like it's a, something that's in your the back of your throat, it's a smell in your nostrils, it's a feeling on your skin, it's like a wool in your brain that keeps you from thinking straight. It's just like all the time, you know, having having thoughts of this person. Um I really thought that was a yeah like that she's I think the other part of it is maybe she is extrapolating to like okay if I'm going to kill every who who remains and I'm going to have infinite timelines I'm going to be doing this shit for infinity and I think she thinks that maybe it's not he who remains is the problem it's this Renslayer who is looking for a vessel to acquire power and if she can mm. kill Renslayer then maybe that's then, then all the he who remains will just be scientists and they won't but I think she's wrong, but I, I liked I, I liked the one two punch of of Kang begging for mercy and then her instantly putting her vengeance and her anger onto Rinslayer. I thought that was uh, really effective. Yeah. And then as far as cliffhangers go, I feel like this is a fairly good one. Um, it's not a it's not, you know, about what is a character going to do? It's more about what does a character know? Um it's a, a secret that's going to make her real angry about herself, I think is how this is phrased. And yeah, that to me says that she is not nearly as important or as much of a partner as she thought she was in the first place. That's the logical place that my brain goes. Yeah. And, and even if Kang does have a recording of him saying what a value, but like now that we know he's a flim flam man to his bottom most DNA mm -hmm. all that stuff is suspect because that could just be things he's saying that'd be a great manipulation yes. if you know your partner's obsessed with not giving people credit like if you just pretend to give him a little bit of credit to keep him on the hook it's pretty 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 flim flam confidence man thing to do yeah absolutely but I don't think that I don't think that Renslayer knows what knows that about Kang or about he who remains it's because she says the partner thing and she that has unintended consequences right like she would not have said the thing to him about being partners if she knew who he was to his core oh 100 percent. but like now that she does know that in a future date if he does make her partner okay yeah yeah in some kind of bullshit like that's a great manipulation tactic you know hmm would she like a narcissist that never says i love you could consciously say to it like like right as the partner they're about to like pull off and they're going to lose their narcissistic supply could be like oh i love you sure, and i've always loved sure. you to keep them but on would, the hook but so would that like, person buy it you know um 
Well, I mean, that's the, that's the psychology of it. You, uh-huh. It's something that you've always wanted to hear say. And even though it goes like the fact that they're saying it now, it's like, what if it is genuine? What if this is a breakthrough we're having? Oh, my yeah, God. Can't give that up. Yeah. It's a way to read. That's like I said, it's it's I think it'd be an effective manipulation. I'm not saying that's uh-huh. what it's yeah. happening for sure. I'm just saying that's I, I can't help but think about that now in that term. Yeah, for sure. I haven't seen anyone say this on the Internet, so I have permission. I, I want to ask permission to coin uh, Kang's moldering corpse here at the end of time. He who is remains. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I don't boy, know. Yeah, I, they, the palace. Is I don't know that he the, is, too. If we'll have a zombie Kang at some point, because like, you know, I can't help but wonder that with the uh, Doctor Strange multiverse madness mm-hmm, of everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if there, if there is, if we got some zombie. Oh, it'd also be super cool for a Halloween episode to have a zombie Kang. Yeah, there you he, go. He who is remains spread it around the Internet. Love it. I'm sure I'm the 10th person to think that just talk about it today. Yep. Uh, that's the end of the episode. Real curious to see what this secret is, but. I think I got an idea. Same, brother. You're listening to Loki with Bald Move. We'll be right back. Whew. Prune the last commercial from the timeline. We're back with more Loki. Uh, shall we get to the feedback? We got a smattering, a smattering of feedback. Marvel at baldmove.com is how you get in touch with us to tell you all, to tell us all of your nasty thoughts about kang and miss minutes all your erotic mm-hmm. fan fiction has his any kind hands, of body he wants to give her his 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 hands caress her clock face body <laughs> okay you <laughs> he just caress her face her and her body at the same time right. that's kinky yeah uh, <laughs> yeah i feel like anyone writing fan fiction like erotic fan fiction it, the miss minutes would actually would be a clock they wouldn't can you know have at least her body. The, at least in the first encounter yeah yeah, maybe maybe uh, when you get to the second uh, collection of erotic fan fiction, then you get mm. you experiment the corporal body. But you got you got to fuck the clock at first. Uh, Jules Marvel at baldmove.com wrote in and said, hey, guys, I'm from the Netherlands and I was listening to your food automat discussion as seen in Loki. It's a pretty fun or nostalgic thing, which was invented in Germany around 1900. And it's still a very big thing in the Netherlands today. You can find them everywhere, most train stations, and in pretty much every city center. There's a local Fritur, which is a very common Dutch fast food restaurant, though I wouldn't call it a restaurant exactly. It's often quite small, and almost everyone prefers takeaway to eat at home or on the go. They never have pie, though. No no healthy stuff as well. It always contains very unhealthy Dutch deep-fried fast food snacks like croquettes uh, or frikandelen. Um, thanks for your coverage. I enjoyed a lot. I got to get to the Netherlands. I got to experience the joys of an automat. I got to get this free candelin inside me. This croquettin. I feel like this is a missed opportunity. You've got the Chicago World's Fair at around the time that the automat was invented. Have an automat at this fair, right? Have this be a yeah. touchstone back to the TVA. I guess it's still like what's this eighteen ninety two or is eighteen ninety eight? It's still three. It's still seven years before it'll be invented. But but oh, yeah, you could have some crazy. Okay. Maybe he said it in the nineteen in nineteen hundred. Maybe there's a crazy around, Bavarian but... yeah. uh, in the background <laughs> yeah, yeah. trying to like gin up and and Mobius is like, well, I don't know, I could go, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I, could, no, I thought that would idea. be fun, but okay. 
Uh, Dork the Ninjas wrote in, uh, says, uh, subject line, Marvel's TV shakeup, says, just want to write in to talk about the big new shakeup Marvel had, starting with their new Daredevil Born Again series. Apparently, Kevin Feige completely scrapped everything that was been done for the new series. According to reports, the show was a mess, and they're restarting with all new directors and writers. The big takeaway from this is that they are completely restructuring how they do their TV going forward on Disney+. The main thing is that Kevin is taking his hands off being the shadow showrunner on all of the shows, instead working to get a proper writing and TV show structures in these shows, trying to move away from just stretching movies to proper shows going forward. Hopefully, Disney can take the hint and fix this problem with the rest of their shows, mainly looking at you, Star Wars, from the security of the lawn. If you're curious about what the lawn means uh it's 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 a whole thing that happened the last ep- the last season of ahsoka uh things got things got testy i don't think this is going to fix the problems well the, the the ironic thing is what i've heard from insiders is that the writer strike is what caused this the writer strike was meant to address some of the things that like the big streaming platforms were doing, which was trying to avoid having traditional writers room, trying to have more, less and less people do more and more things. Um, and they are trying to get some good PR by saying, okay, fans, we've heard you. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to spin up. This was not a creative decision. This is something that was forced on them by the writers guild. And they are, wisely putting their best foot forward and saying this is a fan friendly we've heard you our scripts suck kevin stretched six ways but that that was the that was the goal that was not a creative decision that was a that was how much can we make off of fans with the bare minimum of investment that was an amc studios decision not what we're used to seeing from marvel studios and Mm when they took the content switch and went from one or two movies a year to that plus five, six series a year, Kevin just couldn't keep up. Um, but they, they wouldn't have given up that strategy. It's important to, I think even it's important to realize they wouldn't have given up that strategy had the writer's guild got defeated. They would have kept on doing it. They would replace Kevin with some other stooge and they would keep on shitting out this stuff until they went out of business. So, Yep, that's the my thing. take. I, is the writers union saved Disney Plus if it turns out that they in fact can be saved? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't do much to. It doesn't do much to. Uh, I guess make me feel better about the direction that's heading. They're still going to try and pump out as much as possible. Um, they're still they going spin to up press a, like a legit limits. Like, like if they have a writer's room with a showrunner that has ownership and pride over their show, like... Sure, that's fine, but they're going to have 12 of those going every single year, right? But you can do that. You can have 12 hit shows you a year. You can't. I mean, not on a single property. It's just going to burn people out. That, that's the thing. Well, like, that's that's the, that's on the that's on the demand side. I'm uh-huh, saying from a yeah, supply yeah. side, I think oh, you, you can could do, do that. Yes, on a supply side. Yeah. And if there are know, that many man, talented writers and showrunners and everything. Um, I don't know if there's that many hardcore Marvel and Star Wars fans that would literally just every like that's all they do. They just watch Marvel and Star Wars stuff. I, that's been one of my concerns before we even knew that the quality was kind of iffy. Like they're you know, like it's yeah, people like these big tent Marvel movies and everything building up. But it's like. Marvel still hasn't demonstrated Where's the excitement. How do you maintain excitement on I know, something that's what that I'm comes saying. out every week? We talk about this with our own content. We yes. have gone to a more event structured kind of 
a release schedule for a lot of our right. more special stuff because we want it to be fucking special. And you can't yes. have something be special if you constantly have access to it over yeah. and over and over again. It just won't be special. So right. how do you keep people engaged in something that is not special if it's taking up larger and larger parts of their their day and week? Yeah, like Christmas is awesome, but if you had to do it 12 months out of a year, it would just be life and then it wouldn't yeah. be awesome anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's nice special. to have. Yeah. Like, oh, it, it, like absence is part of something that makes the heart fonder, especially when you're talking about, you know, things and not people like, yeah, sometimes taking a break and 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 oh, you know what? I, you know what I could really go for right now? A fucking Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. yeah, I could, you know, it's been a while since we've seen Iron. I'd like to see, but they just never give you that chance to to miss it. And then when you've got the subpar quality, that's yeah, that's, that's the, the real kiss no, of death. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I like I said, I'm I'm happy. I, I saw that news there, Dork. Thanks for sharing it with us. Um. But I number one, you know, it came out literally the week after they came uh with a, a deal saying that yes, they can no longer do what they were doing. That they have to have X amount of writers and an actual writer and this and that. It's it's uh that 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 this the streaming thing that they're like oh this isn't a TV production this is a streaming production so we don't have to uh, adhere yeah, to the previous guild agreement that's a hundred percent horseshit you know mm-hmm. um yeah so it's yeah. just what they did with DVDs and all that stuff right it's but it does give me the- like. Every time it changes, the business model changes, they protest and say, oh, we can't possibly give you a cut of this because it's not profitable enough or it's so different from the other thing. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I, but I, I'm a little bit more, I guess, bullish on it than you are, because like, to me, this is the bare minimum you would need to get quality shows and they're doing that bare minimum. And if they hire good people that are that have an appreciation for the lore or are at least willing to you know learn the lore and and uh, and then the other thing that has like they have to have like some kind of a council of kang situation where they get these showrunners in a room for a retreat for a couple of weeks a year to like get their fucking heads together because that's the mm-hmm. other thing that is especially evident on the the star wars side where they're just like oh we'll just get some visionary well-loved directors and just let you do this one and you do that sequel and you do that sequel and then you do this one and then as it turns out to be a fucking mess because nobody talks to each other in fact that they like on the star wars sequel series it felt like people actively fighting for the wheel careening from side to side of the road so it won't solve Mm -hmm. all those problems but it is a step in the right direction and i welcome it even though they were forced to at literal bankruptcy point like you're gonna like <laughs> kill the goose that killed the golden egg kill the goose that killed the golden <laughs> egg yes that is the the murderous golden goose killer uh-huh gonna just stop at nothing that gosling was was abused all its life and now it's got a it's, it's by by golden geese and it's 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 the hot new series on disney plus mm-hmm. um i it's 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 a step in the right direction so yeah Marvel at baldmove.com. If you want to talk about inside industry baseball, wh- why why Loki has learned to stop worrying and love the TVA. Um, if you think he who is remains is a, a, a execrable dad joke or legit funny uh, Marvel at baldmove.com. That's going to be it for our coverage, our official coverage of Loki here uh, until next week. Anyway, we'll be back then. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want to see what else we're doing, we're about to spin up. We just announced it yesterday. We're doing both For All Mankind and Fargo. It's going to be a double prestige winter for us. Very excited about that. If you want to see the other things we're doing, we just released uh, our review of Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. 
a little less comic booky that one a little less little less of a romp that one uh everything that we do we we publish and tell people about on our social media at bald move except for tiktok it's at baldest move there finally if you'd like to support us get ad free feeds uh tons of bonus content support at bald wait support dot support.baldmove.com is how you get tuned into that that's it we'll see you next week until then i'm aaron and i'm jim later